Good morning. If you're still grabbing coffee or tea or something to eat, great, grab that. Come on in and join us. We'd love to have you in here. Uh, Super excited for this morning. Hopefully you've been enjoying a lot of moving parts, a lot of things happening. School kicked off this week. Everybody excited for that? Yay! Mostly parents. Woo! Awesome. So college kicks off tomorrow for a lot of people. Uh, So yeah, super cool. Uh, It'd be nice if fall weather starts to join us. It's supposed to be in the 90s a little bit this week, and I'm like... Uh, enough with that. I'm, I'm, once school starts, I'm ready for fall. So it's kind of how I roll. I did remember the last thing that I wanted to announce. So if I can have your attention, this is extremely important. Uh, we have, I'm going to move this, Alex, sorry, before I break it. Uh, we have a young lady uh, in our church whose name is Naya. We have been praying for sweet Naya for almost five years now. She developed brain tumors Uh, and cancer uh, throughout her body. And we have prayed and prayed and prayed for sweet Naya. Uh, We have prayed and watched uh, God shrink the tumors to less than the the tip of a sharp needle and then them come back. And then we've prayed and we've watched them disappear. She's been a testimony before God. She's been a testimony before nurses and doctors in awe of her longevity and, and, and what God has done sustaining her in life. Naya is not long for this earth. It's been a hard, it's been a hard week. We, we had a memorial service here last night for a 16-year-old boy. Um, sweet Naya, who I love dearly, is on hospice and um, does not have long left on this earth. And yet, she is continuing to be a rock for the kingdom of God drawing people to the kingdom. Tonight at 7.15, 7 if you can be here, uh, we're gonna have a prayer vigil out on our back lawn. And we're gonna light candles and we're gonna pray and we're gonna read scripture and we're gonna hear music and then we're gonna have a celebration. The plan I don't know how she's doing this morning. Lori, if, if you do, I, I don't know what her condition is. She's in a, a hospice hospital bed at home. They're gonna try and load her in the back of a vehicle or a pickup truck and put her on a mattress. She, she's blind now. Um, she can't really speak. Um, she's lost all control of her bowels. Um, but she can hear. And she can interact. In fact, this week I... When Lori and I went and, and sat with her, I, I grabbed her and kissed her forehead, and I said, you can't see, but I'm super handsome today. And she was able to mouth, did you get a toupee? Um, so uh, the Lord might be bringing her home, but her wit, who she is, is, is still present. So she can hear. And we're hoping uh, she can lay in the back of a truck and, and listen to the scriptures, listen to the prayers, listen to the music. And then we're going to tap on the truck, let her know who we are, give a word. And then her favorite holiday is the 4th of July. Her little baby brother was born seven weeks early this summer on the 4th of July. Her favorite place is Egypt. They named him Cairo. 
uh, little Cairo will be with her tonight. He's literally like this big, huh, Lori? Um, and so what we've done is we've got sparklers, and after we say a word to her, we're gonna line like you would at a, at a wedding, and we're gonna have the vehicle drive through the procession with all of us holding sparklers. We're gonna shout and yell her name, and we're gonna celebrate her life here before she's gone. All of you are invited. If you have any time, I'm gonna implore you to carve that out and come be with us tonight. This is part of what we're talking about. Naya found faith here in this church. So when we dedicate babies and children and we stand, this is part of it. And uh, we were ushering in little Josiah into this world and, and sadly and painful enough, we're getting... We're getting ready to, to, um, to, to hand Nye over to her Heavenly Father. What an honor that is and how gut-wrenching it is. Um, she is so beautiful. Oh, gosh, she is so beautiful. And loves Jesus. So, uh, sorry to be a downer, um, but... Uh, Man, tonight is going to be powerful. We're going to blare the music throughout the mesa up to the mountains, and it is just going to be absolutely amazing tonight. And so if you could, uh, if you can um, bring a candle, bring a lawn chair, um, we'll have a couple candles on hand if, if you forget yours or whatever, um, come casual. Just if you want to bring something to eat, something to drink, whatever, we just... We want to get together and hold hands and support each other and support so many of us who have loved this dear girl um, for a lot of years. So here's what I'm going to ask. Uh, I thought about this during worship because a lot of times I don't know if it's a good message or not a great message. And I, and I thought, well, let me give the congregation a tool on how to get a good message. You can pray for me. If it, not, let, me just, let me rephrase that. Whoever's preaching, you can pray for that individual. It might be Mark, might be Alex, might be Dan. Uh, and you can pray that we are empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. Because if that happens, you're in for a treat. Not that you're gonna enjoy it, that's not our intent, but you're gonna be fed truth in life. So please, uh, whoever's preaching up here, it, during worship, during the message, if you just pray for the Spirit of God to empower um, that person. And I asked for that this morning for me. All right, let's take a deep breath um, because even in the midst of uh, heartache uh, and, and these kind of events, uh, we still have church and we still have the word of God that is preached and proclaimed and it strengthens the body of Christ. And so we do that arm in arm today, amen? All right, let's do this. So we kicked off a series last week called Purpose, and, and really the idea of this series is to circle back to our mission statement and then how that is played out, how we strategically accomplish a lot of those things. So last week we talked about the importance of staying connected with God, and really uh, one of the primary ways that it happens is we stay connected with each other. 
that we're not in isolation, we're not by ourselves, we don't try and do this journey alone, we, we really stay connected. It's what we did with child and baby dedication, that, that Andrew and Emily and, and Chase and Katie aren't raising these kids off on their own, and we're like, hey, good luck, uh, we'll read about your struggles online. No, we join together as a community, that's what we do. Uh, here's our mission statement. We exist to equip every person to take the next step in becoming a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. When you step foot in our church, when you cross the threshold, our absolute passion is to help you, to come beside you, to equip you to become a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. A lot of times that's little steps. It's baby steps. Sometimes that's an enormous leap of faith. But nevertheless, it's a journey moving forward, and that's what our commitment is as a leadership. And so our, our series is looking, how do we strategically ensure that we're doing the best job that we can to make that happen, uh, really both as a church and to you and I personally, right, that we're growing as a church, but you yourself alone are growing as well. So last week, we unpacked uh, Connected with God. Today, we hit point two, which is we exist to help you grow in your faith. We want you to grow in faith. And faith is a word that's kind of tossed around a lot in church. It's tossed around a lot in faith, uh, 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 Christianity and, and circles of, of faith. It's faith, 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 faith. But what really is faith? How has it grown? What should I do with it? How do I even work with faith? Hey, guys, good to see you. Baraka and Danny, yay. Uh, Naya's mom's here, yay. Um, Sorry to draw attention to you, just got super excited. Anyway, here we go. So uh, here, this is important. We wanna grow. We wanna grow in faith. If you look at a lot of things, we wanna grow in most things except for right here, right? This we don't want to grow. Amen, Josh? Right, we wanna limit how much this right here is growing. However, we wanna grow. This la a couple weeks ago, my, two of my sons are up here and they're like, hey, we wanna get measured. A lot of you measure your kids. Uh, a lot of you measure yourself. I don't know why, but nevertheless. So we have this huge piece of wood that's ridiculous. Unless they grow to be eight foot tall, it's way too tall. But nevertheless, we, we buffered a lot. So we've got this huge board and we measured them and lo and behold, the twins grew like four inches over the course of the last year. Yay, you grew. Now what's interesting is we don't necessarily see it when it's happening, right? All of a sudden they're a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. However, if you don't see someone for a long time and then you get together with family, you have a nice big family reunion and in walk these teenagers and you're like, whoa, when did you become a man? right? I mean, we've all experienced that. And a lot of times, growth is subtle. And a lot of times, as Christians, we want growth to be now. Are you with me? We all do that, and that's okay. Luke chapter 17, verse 5, the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. In other words, grow us. You remember Jesus said, you're going to do even greater things than I. And you can imagine them going, well, grow us. We want if, if, if you say we're gonna do that, let's do it right now. And so they beg out, please increase our faith. And they recognized their need and they appealed not to themselves, not to a self-help book, not to a podcast, not to anything else. They went before the Lord Jesus himself and said, you, King of kings, Lord of lords, the God of all creation, you, please increase our faith. 
In Luke chapter 18, verse eight, Jesus warned of the possibility of a faithless generation on earth at the time of his second coming. And in light of that, because that is going to be a reality, I am motivated as long as God gives me breath on this planet to help people find and grow faith. That's my life mission. I will die doing that. And that's partly why I'm here. I love you dearly as friends. Some of you I'm getting to know. We're, we're, we're new friends. Some of you I haven't met as I look around the room, but I love you and I want you to become the best version that God ever wanted in you. So we wanna grow in our faith. The message of Jesus Christ is what grows our faith. Not doing a bunch of things, not acting the right way, as Mark did an incredible job a couple weeks ago, not going, well, I want to fight that one particular sin. No, I want to create a different heart, and I'm going to join with God. Theologians call that participative grace, that we participate with God in the redemption of our heart as we respond to him. Notice it's always about him. It's always about what he's doing, not what we do. And so that grows our faith. A lot of times we think it's a formula. Well, if I wake up in the morning and I spend 15 minutes with God, and if I fast a couple times a year and I go to Bible study, and you know, if I help the old lady across the street, then I'm gonna increase in my faith. It's a formula. Uh, sometimes we think uh, it's a phrase. Like if we, if we fill our house with Hobby Lobby decor, uh, all of a sudden we're gonna just be this like super Christian. Sorry, Hobby Lobby doesn't help you become a super Christian. And if you watch some of those commercials that say get rid of that stuff, you guys seen that commercial where he's training older people? All right, well, whatever. Um, so anyways, that's, that's what happens. But God's promises are true. That he who began a good work in you, he's going to continue it. It might be bumpy, it might be rough, it might be highs and lows, it might be times of absolute tears like today, it might be gut-wrenching like last night and a difficult evening to come tonight. But nevertheless, God's promises are true and he will never let up. He will always fulfill his promises. He will always work to do what he said he's going to do. And that gives us the ability when we pray for sweet Naya or we pray for Darren or we pray for one of you, it gives us faith, it gives us an assurance that the God of all creation is listening and he's doing his work. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are what? They are yes, say it again, what are they? Yes. They are yes, God's promises are always yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. You go, well, why do we always say amen? Uh, you know, during worship or during a sermon. Some of you could say amen more if you agree with what we're saying. Why? Because as God fulfills his promise, we say amen. As, as our kids find faith, we say amen. As God shapes our marriages, we say amen. Not because of what we have done, 
not because of the hard work that we've put in. We say amen because God's promises are being fulfilled by God in Christ. That's the truth. They're always yes and they're always amen. He is the guarantor of the faithful promises of God to you and me. And in other words, you can trust him. And as you trust him, you grow in faith. His promises are always yes. They're never maybe. They're never not yet. And they're never no. Those come with our requests, but they are never associated with his promises. His promises are always yes and amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. I talked about this with Naya this week. I, I told you she can't see. And I said, you know what? 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we live by faith, not by sight. And I said, sweet Naya, you can see things I can't because what you see is faith. What you see is not of this world. You see hope. You see peace. You see love. In fact, the Bible says the things we can see, they're going to fall away. But the things that are of eternal will always exist. Faith deals with the unseen. Faith reaches out with confidence and certainty for promises of God whose fulfillment we do not yet see. And there are some promises in the holy word of God that have yet to be fulfilled but they will. They absolutely will. There will not be a pause. Those promises will be fulfilled in perfect timing. They will not be late. They will not be early. They will not be confused. They will be fulfilled when God wants them to be fulfilled. And they will always be yes. So this is faith. The question we're unpacking is how to keep growing in your faith. So five quick keys. Number one, faith leads to understanding, not vice versa. This is important in today's times, is a lot of times in our, our culture, we wanna understand everything before we believe. We wanna make sure we have all the boxes checked. Does, does faith meet all of the obstacles of science? Does, does faith meet all of the obstacles of space? Does faith in Jesus meet all the obstacles of relational understanding? And that's just the wrong way to look at it. The reality is faith leads to the understanding. That is so critically important. Hebrews chapter 11, verse three says, by faith, we understand that the universe, listen to this, a lot of you are space freaks. Boys, listen up. Some of you love, 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 love space. Any of you love to study space or interested in space? Yep. How many of you understand it? Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. All right, so anyways, by faith, we understand that the universe, the galaxy, the stars, the solar systems, everything that we know about and, and that we don't know about was formed at God's command. Notice it's not plural. It's not God's commands. He spoke and it existed. That's the kind of God that causes us to have faith and trust when we go to prayer, when we pray for our kids. We're not going before a good dude. We're not going with our prayers before someone who's nice. 
We're not going before someone who's got lots of degrees. We're going before the God who commanded and it created the universe. Now, some of you are super creative. Ed makes beautiful benches outside. Ed can't speak a command and the universe is formed. That's the God we serve. So what is seen was not made out of what is visible. That's so cool. God created everything that we see with material of what we cannot see. Wrap your mind around that. There are materials you're not privy to and you may never be privy to. That's cool. And that's how God forms the universe. I once read uh, about a then young evangelism, uh, Billy Graham. He was wrestling with doubts about the full inspiration of Scripture. Yes, Billy Graham struggled about the full inspiration of Scripture, which means you can too. One day in a deep spiritual encounter with the Lord, he experienced God visiting him and gave him faith over his doubt. He developed faith before understanding. And that's the way God works. And after that, confidence came, a confidence that would never be shaken for decades to follow as he was a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. You see, God's way is not that we first grasp everything intellectually. That's not how it works. And then we come to faith, and a lot will. A lot will struggle with that. But to the contrary, the scriptures show that it is in faith in God's creation that leads to understanding. Faith is an initiator, not a result. Does that make sense? It's really interesting to just look at it from a different angle. For example, in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, it says faith leads to salvation. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 28, it says faith brings about healing. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, or verse three, it says, faith opens the door to understanding. And the list goes on. I could do this all day. Faith does this. Faith does this. Not the other way around. What does that mean? It means for some of you, you gotta walk to the edge of the high dive and jump. You're not gonna get the answers first. You're not gonna get the understanding first. God wants you so close to him, he wants you to jump and trust him. Trust him with your uh, finances. Trust him with your work. Trust him with your relationships. Trust him with your marriage. Trust him that he has a, a, a story written for you in him. Trust him with your safety. Trust him with the virus. Trust him with uh, your careers and your college choices. Trust him. So, number one, faith leads to understanding, not vice versa. Number two, faith is not passive, but rather seeks its object passionately. Now, here's why I wrote this, because here's the reality. Every single person on this planet has faith. The question is, what do they have faith in? And if you ask anyone uh, or you take a, a close look at their life, the thing that, they're, uh, that they put their most faith in, they are passionate about. A lot of you are not sports fans. I, I've learned that. Uh, every time I show a hand, ask for a show of hands of who loves football, there's like four of us. But if you go to some of these sports teams, people put their faith in their sports team to a, to a level that this world has never seen. Why? They're passionate about it. Absolute passionate. Uh, 
you go to someone who has a hobby. They're passionate. They put their faith in that. We all put our faith in something or someone, sometimes other than him. And true faith is not passive. You don't go to a Broncos game, which let's just hope they have a good season. You don't go to a Broncos game and everyone's sitting there going, well, we'll see. I don't know. Like, yeah, they got the ball. I don't know. We'll see if they score. They're not passive. They're psychotic. And then you induce alcohol into that, and and the passion and the psychoticness gets doubled. They're not passive. True faith is not passive, even if it's not towards Jesus Christ. But it's critically true for Christ followers, meaning I wonder if you're not passionate about this Lord Jesus, what kind of relationship do you have with him? Is it just, eh, we'll see. I'll get around to it. I'll add it to the list. I've got so much going on today and at some point I need to talk to this God. That's passive. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six says, anyone who comes to him, God, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Reward meaning you're not gonna get a gift card to Outback. What you are gonna get is God's presence. When you earnestly seek him, the Bible says you will find him. When you earnestly knock on the door, God says, I will open the door. Now, as a former police officer, I've done search warrants, and we do not do this. I won't show you what we do, because it'll break this podium. When you're gonna passionately knock, when you're gonna passionately seek something, you knock. And you bring that before God as you earnestly seek him. (coughs) For example, Mark chapter 10, the blind beggar Bartimaeus insistently cried out to Jesus, insistently cried out to Jesus. And that meaning, there's this connotation that some people said, dude, like get a hold of yourself. Calm down. (laughs) Like, you're obnoxious right now. He didn't stop. He insistently cried out to Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't walk up and go, hey, son of David, mind having some mercy on me? Notice the difference? He insistently cried out, have mercy on me. Some onlookers, they rebuked him. Can you just imagine hearing it? Like, Bro, settle down. Does he listen? Nope. He cried out to Jesus all the more. <laughs> you probably know some of these people. If you ask them, it, sometimes, especially with kids, you gotta use reverse psychology because if you tell them not to do something, they'll do it. If you say, hey, I like this, then they'll choose it not. My, my boys, uh, I'm an avid Bears fan, grew up in Chicago. They refused to root for the Bears. I should have told them I'm a Packers fan. <laughs> God be with me. Same thing with this. Bartimaeus, settle down. Cool it. Oh, you think that's loud? Watch this. And Bartimaeus goes more and more. Touched by the man's evident and persistent faith, Jesus stopped. (coughs) Can someone give me a glass? (coughs) 
Sometimes you need to cry out to where Jesus stops. That's part of what we're gonna do tonight with sweet Naya. We're gonna cry out and cry out and cry out and ask Jesus to stop and look. And it says Bartimaeus kept doing it, so Jesus stopped and he called him and then he healed his blindness. That's our God. That's what he does. But notice it's a give and take relationship here. And friends, for some of you, you're going through quite the journey. I don't know all of your stories. I don't know the highs and the lows, but I know in a room this size, there are a lot of lows. Can you insistently just cry out for God? Bless you, Mimi. Mimi's the best. Can we give her a round of applause? Today is Mimi and Tim's 29th anniversary. So cry out. You want to increase your faith? Cry out. Cry and cry and cry out. Faith can be patient, yes, but that's not the same as being passive. You can, ins- in- you, can in- you can cry out to the point where others are annoyed and still be patient. No faith operates in those who believe in the Lord and earnestly seek him without actively seeking him. It's pointed, it's on mission, it's passionate, it's relentless. So faith, as you do that, that then will lead to understanding, not the other way around. Number three, faith acts upon the prompting of the Lord. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse seven, uh, by faith, Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, uh, notice the theme here, in holy fear, that's a great way to put it, built an ark to save his family. Now, I'm not suggesting you in holy fear go build an ark today. If you want, Mark can help you. There's several people that are really good with wood around here that can help you. Uh, We'll be on the news, it'll be awesome. But Noah spent many, many days building an ark looking like a fool, looking like a fool to everybody. He was mocked by onlookers, and yet he remained steadfast, and it saved his life when the flood came. What's the faith lesson here? It is that God will speak things to us by his word, by his spirit, or perhaps by a a genuine word of wisdom given by another individual, and Noah heard from the Lord to build an ark, and he acted upon that word from the Lord despite opposition. Friends, if you hear the Lord prompt you, act on it. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Now, to be sure, there's a way to vet that. Uh, You you hear one thing, someone comes to you, this happens a lot in churches sometimes, someone will come to you and say, I have a message of the Lord. And you go, okay, let's see what you got. And then they tell you and you're like, oof, that is way off in left field. Well, you can vet that. You can go to the scriptures, you can go into prayer, You can fast, you can talk to other people, uh, you can study uh, theology, and you can vet that a little bit. And yet, at the end of the day, if you know the Lord told me I need to get up and go talk to someone, then you need to act on it. Why? Because God wants to use you. And two part, one, he wants to use you. Two, he wants to grow your faith. 
Too often what happens is we receive promptings from the Lord. We, we, we receive the Holy Spirit speaking to us and we're too busy or we're too convoluted in our mind with too much stuff and we don't act on it and we miss and then we wonder, why is my faith boring? Well, it's because you're not living the life of an adventure. In fact, every single time I get in the car, I wonder, where's God gonna take me? Now, uh, most of the time I go to my destination, but a lot of times it's a hitchhiker, don't necessarily recommend that. It's a hitchhiker, it's someone who's broken down on the side of the road. Uh, it's something, it's breaking up. Sandy and I've uh, been in domestic, not us in domestic violence, but we've seen domestic violence going on. And I go, there you go, Lord, like, I'm in. You called me off the bench and fly out and do my thing. That's being led by God. Today, God wants to lead you. Today, God wants to prompt you. Are you going to listen? Sometimes it's go up and talk to your daughter. Go up and talk to your son. Go make things right with your wife. Stop being an idiot. You've been a jerk. You're lazy. Stop it. And we would do well to go, yes, Lord, instead of justify and defend. You see, it's, so many of the same principles are, are equated in marriage that they are in faith. If you live a life of marriage of defending yourself and justifying yourself, you're gonna have a crappy marriage. Sorry, I shouldn't have said crappy. You're not gonna have a great marriage. Same thing with God. If all you're doing is defending yourself and justifying yourself, you're not gonna have a great relationship with God. Your faith is gonna be minimal. If God says do it, do it. And you will experience the awesome adventure of doing so. It is just so, so good. So faith acts upon the promptings of the Lord. Number four, faith is willing to go forward into the unknown if God is genuinely perceived to be leading you there. Now, this is the reason why I threw this caveat on the end of this. Sometimes people will go, there's an organization that wants me to, to go to X place to serve God and I'm throwing caution in the wind and I'm just going. No security training, no safety training, no preparation, no financial planning, no thinking about plan A, B, and C, no contention. Like, they just jump. And I have, at the risk of throwing water on a faithful jump, asked, are you sure? Are you sure God is telling you to do that? It's, it's a very simple, let me give you a great example. We'll, we'll go on a mission trip and we come home and people are like, I'm gonna sell my house, I'm gonna sell all my belongings, I'm gonna quit my job, I'm gonna buy a, a, a robe and a staff and I'm gonna go serve on the mission field. Well, that's one option. I don't know if God's calling you to do that. He might be, but let's talk about that. Where are you gonna stay? I don't know. Well, how are you gonna eat? I don't know. Uh, and God very well might be saying to do that, but he may not. He may be going, what are you thinking? I want you right where you are. I've given you a house. I've given you a car. I've given you an education. I want you right there. Don't get rid of it all to go to Juarez. I have other people that I want to do that. Does that make sense? But where God is leading you to the unknown, jump. Maybe that's getting out of a relationship that's holding you down. Uh, maybe that's choosing a different college. Uh, maybe that's finally deciding, hey, you know what? We need the best marriage possible. We gotta go to counseling. 
Because what we're doing right now is not sustainable, and we're not going to do this for the rest of our lives. Let's get some counseling. Let's draw a line in the sand and say, it's possible to have a great marriage. If God's leading you, jump at that unknown. You might go, well, I don't know what those sessions are going to look like. I, I don't know what the result of that is going to be. That's pretty scary to me to go to counseling. Get over it. Your marriage is worth it. And more importantly, obeying God's prompting is even more important. Hebrews chapter 11, verse eight, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Man, I can't tell you how many times I have done this and sometimes, I'm just gonna be really, really honest with you. Sometimes I hear the Lord's prompting and I go, all right, awesome, and I do it and man, it's the greatest adventure, it's the coolest thing known to mankind. And I go, man, this is just amazing being a godly man and being used by God. And then other times I feel like I heard him and I jump and it is like just a, a face plant on the ground. And I got to walk away with my tail between my legs. That doesn't mean God didn't tell me to jump. So you can't expect this glorious opportunity every time you jump when God says. It might be hard. It might be difficult. You see, the past is a place of history. It's safe. It's known. We can look at the past and it's no risk to us. Why? Because we already know the end of the story. Think about your kid. Oh, I wonder what fifth grade, let's say they're in eighth grade now. I wonder what fifth grade is gonna be like. Oh, I can remember back. I know the end of the story. They're gonna be okay. That's easy. The past is easy. It's predictable. The present and the future are the place where faith is stretched and strengthened. Some of you are starting school tomorrow. You can either look, I'm going to class, or you can look and say, I'm going on an adventure with Christ. Two different perspectives. The choice is yours. God spoke to Abraham and said, go, and he did. And this great patriarch left his home, left his nation, left his familiar surroundings, and moved hundreds of miles westward. He didn't jump on a plane. He didn't jump in a Tesla. He walked. It was awful. He didn't know where God was sending him, but he obeyed. And at every step, it strengthened his faith. Every step. Friends, we want you to grow in faith so passionately. Faith is grown by a willingness to go forward into the unknown if God is leading you there. Number five, and finally, faith is a marathon, not a sprint. Are we okay with that? Faith is a marathon, it's not a sprint. If you've uttered the phrase to yourself, I should have this down by now, you're in good company. Huh, Polly? Yeah, like you don't grow out of that. I should have this down by now. I've been at faith for X amount of years. I'm still struggling with this sin or I haven't quite got down this Jesus characteristic yet. Like man alive, what's wrong with me? Faith is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Be nice to you. Be nice to you. Let yourself grow. 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. Some of you can't march for seven minutes. I mean truly march. We had to march in the police academy. Our, our class was awful. I mean, if you, if you picture a cluster of like Keystone cops just running into each other, that was our marching class. Like we couldn't march forever. We could shoot, we couldn't march. Marching's exhausting when you truly march, march. They marched for seven days. That's awful, in my opinion. It probably wasn't 72 and partly cloudy. They didn't have breaks. They didn't have catered meals. They marched. Pastor Alex talked about this during worship. Uh, both this morning and last week. By faith, Joshua obeyed God and he led the Israelites on this march around Jericho for seven days. And in those days, they didn't see a single victory. Not one. That's a long time to march even if you are seeing victories left and right. But when you're not seeing a thing, that's a hard road to, to plow. But they marched and they marched around Jericho. And on the seventh day, God said to march around the city seven times. After six times, still no victory. I gotta be honest with you, my faith would have dropped a little bit. I'd have been irritable. No, I know I would have been irritable. Seven days. And then another command, hey, on this day, now go around seven times. And I, we're, we're number four, number five, number six, nothing. I'd be like, I'm out. Then on the completion of the seventh march, on the seventh day, God caused the walls of Jericho to collapse and the Israelites were able to capture the city. What's the faith lesson here? Keep obeying the Lord's direction until you see the result. Pray for your kids to have faith. Use McClure's. Pray for your kids to have faith. Pray every single day. Pour into them. Love them. Encourage them. Train them in the word of God. Pour into your marriage. You might decide this morning, you might look to your spouse and go, we're doing exactly what he said. We're gonna go get help starting this week. Well, I can assure you, it's not gonna get better day one. It's not gonna get better day two. Keep going with faith until you see the results. And here's what Hebrews chapter six, verse 12 tells us about what Pastor Alex talked about. Quote, through faith and patience that we inherit what has been promised. They were promised, you will have victory. March. And I'm saying to you, friends, you will have victory. Pursue. Have faith. Put these steps in place to increase and grow your faith. We're not a very patient culture. We want faster, bigger, stronger, better, more improved. We want a great marriage now. We want kids of great faith now. We want hope now, peace now, healing now. But faith is the long haul. It's a marathon, it's not a sprint. Every day, every moment, every month, walking with Jesus faithfully and being patient. And remember at the end of the day, 
all of his promises are yes and what? Amen. Every single one of them. So these things build faith, they grow faith, and they also explain faith of what it does. Let's review and then we'll be done. Faith leads to understanding, not vice versa. Faith is not passive, but rather seeks its object passionately. Faith acts upon the prompting of the Lord. Faith is willing to go forward into the unknown if the Lord is genuinely perceived to be leading you there. And finally, faith is a marathon, not a sprint. As a church, we are committed to equipping you with every tool that you need to take the next step in becoming a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That's our commitment to you. We're asking for you to reciprocate that you're gonna do everything you can to make yourself a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And together, we continue to create a family and an army that this world cannot stop. That we affect Louisville and Superior and Lafayette and Erie and Broomfield and Thornton and Boulder, and the list goes on and on. We affect Canada, Linda, amen? I hear you there. We affect Nebraska and Arizona and California and Washington and Texas. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Why? Because the day of the Lord is coming. We know this. And he is willing to walk beside you and grow you to a faith that you could never have experienced. And For some of you, that could begin today. And it's so good to be together. So good. I love this place. And I love you guys. And I love the word of God. I love the Lord Jesus that changes lives. I invite you to come and join with us tonight to lock arms, to light a candle, to read scripture, to pray over our dear Naya, to light sparklers and throw out Reese's peanut butter cups and to celebrate and to lift our arms. And the Bible says this, we are gonna lift our arms in a way that Naya can't. We're gonna praise our Lord Jesus in a way that she desperately wants to, but can't. We're gonna raise our arms for her, amen? That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna come together as a family, and that is going to not only increase her faith, it's not only gonna love her family, but it's gonna grow your faith. Why? Because God wants that. He's crazy about you. He loves you right here and right now. And because of that, we get to respond in worship. So let's do that. Let's pray. God, we, we pause and, and pray. There's been so much stuff going on this morning from child and baby dedications to installing and, and praying for dear Wendy, uh, our children's pastor, and the message and and our funeral last night, and Naya's prayer vigil uh, coming up tonight. You are in the saving business, and you have not stopped. You are on the move. You are pulling people closer to yourself. You are revealing what true life is all about. You are extinguishing the lies and the deception of the enemy. And thus you are revealing true hope, true purpose, true life, only found in you, King Jesus. That's what you're doing all around us. And you've only just begun. 
There are workplaces, there are colleges, there are high schools and middle schools and elementary schools that are, are going to be affected by your love all this year. And you are using this tiny little dinky church on the top of the mesa to do your will. And we count it a blessing to be a part of that. Expand and grow our faith in ways that we can't even contain it anymore. Allow our faith to be infectious to the world around us. Allow everybody who's even in our presence to be affected, not because they're around and with us, but because you rub off from us onto them. And they realize that no matter what they've done, no matter who they are, no matter what their struggles are, no matter what their sins, no matter what their addictions, no matter what their uh, brokenness is, you are in the saving business. And that's what we will put our hope on. And that will increase our faith to do even greater things on this place in this time. And it begins by worship, as Pastor Alex said. When we praise, you do the unthinkable. So use this team to grab us by the hand and walk us into your presence now as we respond in worship. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit that we've gathered. And all of God's people said, amen. Would you please stand and let's respond in worship.